And uh, my name is Eric. I'm the Morris Campus Pastor. Pumped to be with you again for another installment of our series that we call Mission. We're teaching through the book of Acts, or really teaching from the book of Acts, and uh, seeing what God called his church to be, what Jesus left. So the big idea is when Jesus left, he gave his mission to the church, to his, to his followers. And he said, I'm going to go with you, but I want you to take this message to everybody that would hear around the world. And, uh, and he's doing it. And then he invites you to be a part of it, you and I. The big idea is that this didn't, you know, we see miracles and growth and excitement and faith all through the book of Acts that we're reading about each week. And then it doesn't, it doesn't end there. It doesn't end until Jesus comes back. And so if you're one of his followers, this is what he has for you. So that's what we're going to be doing uh, today as we keep going through Acts. Uh, as you walked in, you probably noticed our campus serve wall. And so if you were with us all last month, was a, a campaign of prayer, inviting people to pray for uh, what God's up to as he's calling us to, to plant a second campus of Mission Bible Church in Morris. And now what we're really trying to do is grow a launch team of people who would say, I, I'm in, I will go, I will serve, I will help figure it out, I will help make it happen. This is the launch team. By the way, we got our first launch team meeting in just two weeks, and so uh, we'd love for you to come. If you're just interested or curious, you can find out, or if you know you're going with us, then we'd love to have you be there. So the whole idea of this, this uh, contraption that we've got is to show how much need we have of people to serve at both campuses. So we're trying to grow a launch team, people that will hold babies and work with kids and make coffee and hold doors and, and welcome people to church well and sing and run technology stuff. And, and so every hook on the wall represents a, a, a need that somebody can fill. And uh, if you're interested, you can sign up. You can actually sign up on your phone. If you look in your bulletin, there's a purple insert and it says the web address, uh, missionbible.church slash serve wall. And uh, you can punch that in, and all you do is say, hey, I'm in for either Morris or the Manuka campus, and here's where I'll serve. Now, you can do that today. We would love for you to do that. There's screens out here. You can do it if you don't want to do it on your own phone. And then you hang your card up, and every card is someone writing their name, kind of going public with it and saying, I'm going to serve in this area. And so uh, if you want to pray about that, you can make your decision later. That's totally okay if you're, if you're ready. The other thing on the other side is the Manuka campus. And uh, we were talking about this week, you know, in a year or two, there will be people at the Morris campus who have never been to this building. And maybe never realized that it used to be called Manuka Bible Church for like 40 years, right? And which is kind of exciting to think about. But for now, every person that's going to launch that campus is leaving this campus. And, and, and leaving where they used to serve at this campus. And so the other side is the needs that we have to mirror the same ministries. You know, First Impressions team and, and uh, kids, the different kids' ministries and, and, the, and the stuff to pull off a, a weekend experience. And so every hook on that side is a need. Now, some of you guys are already serving. And if you're saying, hey, I'm already, um, I'm already uh, working with Echo Kids, then if you're going to serve with Echo Kids again next year at the Manuka campus, we want you to sign up. And, and so that's, that's showing how many needs they are. And then the card is visibly showing who's going, who's stepping up, who's stepping out, and stuff like that. So if you're going to keep serving or you're going to start serving, you're going to go to Morris or stay at Manuka, we would love for you to pray about that and, and join us in one of those ways. Does that make sense? So you can do that from your phone, and uh, there's workers out there that can answer your questions, and, and we'll, we'll keep doing that for the rest of the month. So um, here's where we're going to be today in Acts chapter 8. We're going to pick up the story right where we left off last week, if you've been following along with the series. And so we'll be in Acts chapter 8, and today we're going to be looking at the comfort zone, okay? And really what we're, we're going to see is that um, we're going to see the beginning 
of the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus gave when he left and gave, his, gave the mission of the church to these people, okay? And so, but what we're going to realize is it takes them getting out of their comfort zone. There's a restaurant that I used to go to uh, fairly often because it was real close to I, where I used to work. And I always, I always laughed when I walked in, and I would always make the same lame joke every time I walked in, no matter who I was with. I figured they deserved to hear this amazing joke, even if they heard it last time they were here with me. But as you walked in, uh, on your way to get seated on the wall was like their thermostat. But it was different. It was called the comfort zone, which is a nice, clever name for a thermostat. But it didn't have a needle that pointed to the, you know, the numbers. It didn't have a digital numbers. It just had like a low and a high. And so I took that to mean, how comfortable do you want to be, right? Now, I, it was always like set in the middle. And I would always joke with like the hostess. I would say, why don't you turn that sucker up? I'd like to be as comfortable as possible right? And uh, really it's probably setting for temperatures. But, you know, no one has ever said, I'm a little too comfortable, right? Like we, we love our comfort. This is why you can spend, maybe you did spend thousands of dollars on a mattress because you can't be too comfortable. You can't sleep too good. When someone says, how'd you sleep? No one says, I slept too good last night, right? So uh, this is why maybe you drove here not only with your heat on in your car, but with your seat heater on in your car. Because it's not enough just to get comfort from front. I want to be warmed on both sides, like one of those rolling hot dogs, right? And so some of you guys, and you don't have to admit this, but you might have a padded toilet seat at home. Because once upon a time, somebody was sitting there and they thought, how can I make this whole experience more comfortable, okay? We're Americans. We love comfort. But did you know it is possible to be too comfortable, especially if you call yourself a Jesus follower. We're going to see a story today where uh, Jesus is actually okay with some discomfort in your life. And uh, it's possible for Christians to be too comfortable. I'm sure you can relate with this. You've probably experienced this a time in your life where you were uh, nervous to do something, to go somewhere, to sign up for something, to be a part of something. On the front end, you might have been scared. It was uncomfortable. And, but you can maybe look back and be like, oh, but like, I'm so glad I did. In fact, I want you to fill in this blank. It, you know, if you're writing down, you can write this down. Or if just in your own mind, if I hadn't, I wouldn't have and this is for you to, to solve in your own mind. If I hadn't gone to school there, if I hadn't accepted that invitation to go to that party, I might not have met my wife. I don't know what your, uh, your fill-in-the-blank would be, but if I hadn't something, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have gotten the job. I wouldn't have met this awesome mentor of mine. Like, there's things that you have the opportunity to look back on and say, boy, when I first did that or signed up or showed up, I was nervous. It was outside of my comfort zone, but I'm so glad that I did. This is true of individuals. You've experienced this. This is especially true if you're a Christian. And we're going to see today that God actually has plans to use uncomfortable things out of your comfort zone for your own good. And it's also true of, of churches in general, of, of groups of people. And so this we're going to see from the very beginning. Uh, here's why. God often moves you out of your comfort zone to grow and use you. This is how God works. I, I put the word often because I'm scared of speaking in absolutes, but I would almost say always. God often moves you outside of your comfort zone. Something that makes you nervous. Something that makes you a little scared or maybe a little timid. That, you know, and when he does, 
he, he can grow you more and he can use you more than he would if we stay in our comfort zone. And so we're going to see this all the way from the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 8. If you've got your Bibles open to Acts chapter 8, we're going to pick up in the very first verse, right where we left off. So last week we, told, we looked at the story of Stephen. He was the first Christian martyr. And um, he's dragged in front of a group of people and he proclaims his faith in Jesus and they kill him for it. And then chapter 8 starts off like this. And Saul approved of their killing him. Talking about Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and he put them in prison. This is scary times for the church. Up until chapter 7, here's the story of the early church. The people stayed in Jerusalem. They received the Holy Spirit like Jesus promised. They, they witnessed the people. Thousands of new people became believers. They lived together. They worshiped together. They shared what they had. Everybody was happy and taken care of. It was this amazing thing happening in Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden... The bad guys show up, you know, like every good movie. You got the good guys and the bad guy and the climax and the resolution. And so the bad guys show up and we see Stephen dragged off and killed for his faith. And if that wasn't enough, now there's an all-out assault on Christians and they're dragging them out of their houses. And so what happens is the Christians in Jerusalem run for their lives. They're like, we got to get out of here. It is too hot to be a Christian in Jerusalem. And so they run. But what's really cool is what happens. Their church is persecuted which is unfun, uncomfortable, it's a big deal, it was scary, and it leads to them being scattered, which sounds like the beginning of the end. But we're going to see that the scattering of the church actually leads to church growth. I don't know if, if, like, when I was a kid, I did, like, scout kind of stuff, and so they taught us, you know, how to, how to build fires and how to put out fires, and they said, you really don't want to just, like, douse a campfire with water if you don't have to. The right way to put out a fire is you kind of spread out the burning logs and the hot coals because, you know, a log by itself won't burn. They need each other, and so you just start spreading and scattering the coals and the logs, and eventually it'll die out. And I can imagine Saul and all the bad guys, they probably felt like, we got them. They're on the run. They're going in different directions. They're all spread out, and this whole thing is going to die down. But instead, it's as if little sparks fly in every direction from this fire, and when they land, they ignite. And now the fire is burning bigger and hotter than ever. And it is so awesome that we serve a God who can take what the enemy plans for bad, and he can use it for good. This is incredible. Church persecution actually leads to church growth. Because this is often how God works. He calls us out of our comfort zone so he can grow us and he can use us. Here's something that's really cool. Acts chapter 8 verse 1 fulfills Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is really neat. I'm going to show you these verses in a second. But we see this promise from God in chapter 1 and we see it beginning to be fulfilled in Acts chapter 8. So look at these verses. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus is talking before he, he takes off to heaven and he says this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And we looked at this verse uh, the first couple weeks of this series. This is, this is a huge promise from Jesus. And he says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is a calling. This is the mission. This is a promise from Jesus. And so for the first six chapters, they're doing the Jerusalem part. 
And then what happens is they experience extreme discomfort and persecution and, and uh, execution even. And look what happens because of it. On that day in verse eight, verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 1, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Like this was part of God's plan. He's like, I, I'm glad you guys are killing it in Jerusalem. You guys are rocking Jerusalem. Thousands of people are becoming saved. You guys have had an incredible witness. But I have bigger plans for you. I want to send you to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so this persecution is actually the beginning of the fulfillment of the, pro- of the promise in chapter 1. He says, you will be my witnesses. As I read it this week, I started thinking, you know, it's an imperative statement. He's not asking them. He's telling them. You will be my witnesses. Oh, you will be my Whether you like it or not, you will be my witnesses, right? Like, and I don't think he meant it as mean and vindictive. I really think he meant it as a promise. He promises them, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And if it gets scary, don't worry. You will be my witnesses. It's not going to get put out. I will build my church. He made that promise. He made the promise that they will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And look what happens. Halfway around the world... 2,000 years later, in a different language, we're here worshiping the same great God because he has been with his church, fulfilling his promise to take his message to the end of the earth. And this is what he invites you and I to be a part of. To the mission of spreading the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And so Acts 8.1 actually fulfills Acts 1.8. The other thing I love about this verse is, is this, this picture that we see of con- the continual involvement of all the people that are part of this movement. It says, all except the apostles were scattered. So the 12 apostles, we don't know exactly why, but they stay in Jerusalem. Okay? They kind of stay at you know, um, the main hub of ministry or whatever they've got. But everyone else is running for their lives. And what's really cool is God is using all the other people. It's not just the pros or the apostles or the priests that are being used to reach people. It's all kinds of people that are just regular folk, church people. We're just part of the movement, and God is using them to spread the good news of Jesus and change lives everywhere they go. This is incredible, and this is what God wants for us. It's not just a few people or the pros to who God wants to work through. God wants to work through all of us, through you, that as we go, he would use each of us to grow that fire to burn bigger and hotter. And now I'm going to show you, the the very next verse kind of shows us why it was able to work. Despite intense persecution, how did the church actually grow? Acts 8 verse 4 says this, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. I love this verse. Those who had been scattered, and the scattering was not fun. They didn't want to move. You know, they weren't like shopping on Zillow.com for a while before they made up their mind. They were literally running for their lives. When Luke talks about persecution, I don't want to belittle that. That was a big deal. That was uncomfortable. That was scary. They saw their friend or hero killed, and then they saw their friends dragged out of their house, and they ran so they wouldn't get drug out of their house. Like, it was not good, but they just decided... We'll just tell people about Jesus as long as we're here. Wasn't planning on running over here this week, but as long as I'm here, I'll tell you guys about Jesus. What I love is they're literally running for their lives, but they still believe in God. They still believe that Jesus is their Savior. Their faith is not rocked so badly. I'm sure they had some doubts. I'm sure that they were frustrated or confused or scared, but they still believed in God, and they still believed in God so much that as long as we're here, I'll tell you guys about Jesus. They preached the word wherever they went. And this is what God wants for all of us. This is part of the mission that we're invited to be a part of. He wants you to be someone who would live for and speak for Jesus wherever you go. 
whether that's in school, on the soccer field, in the cubicle, at your dinner table, that as we all go different ways, his plan is to use each of us if we would just speak the good news of Jesus wherever we go. Wherever you happen to be, wherever you work, wherever we go, this is the plan that God wants to use to grow his church through all of us. Can you imagine what your life would look like? How God could use you if you did this. If you just said, all right, I'm going to tell people about Jesus wherever I go. I'm going to share the good news of Jesus everywhere I go. Can you imagine what God would do through you? We see the rest of the story as a dude named Philip. He happens to be in Samaria, and he's like, as long as I'm here, I'll tell you guys about Jesus. It's interesting because the Samaritans were like this half-breed. They're kind of half-Jews, but they're not full Jews, and they're, they're kind of hated by both sides. And so they're this lonely people group who's outcast, and he tells them about Jesus, and they fall in love with Jesus too. And, and he uses Philip. Philip's a regular guy who just decided, I'm going to preach uh, uh, the, the word wherever I go. This is what God wants for you. And he can do the same thing through you. This is what God wants for us as a body of believers. Can you imagine what God is going to do this through this church as we all live this way? That we all, as we go to our different jobs, our different towns, our different circles of influence and everything else, that as we all go our separate ways, you know, the ministry of this church is not about what happens in here on a Sunday morning. The ministry of this church is about what happens everywhere we go as a bunch of people in different directions, like little sparks that when we land, we ignite flames for Jesus. And God is going to move through us in powerful ways as we all decide, we're going to preach the word wherever we go. Wherever you go today after church for lunch or whatever, or tomorrow for work, or uh, you know, uh, your kids' basketball schedule takes you. Wherever we go, that we'll just be people who celebrate and champion the cause of Jesus, and he will use us in incredible ways. We believe this is what God's calling us to as a church, to leave our comfort zone and plant a whole new campus of our church. Think about this. For 40 years, Mission Bible Church has been one church, one building in one town here in Manuka. And God has blessed it. God has grown it. God has used it. Maybe you're here because somebody else invited you. Maybe you've gone here for two weeks or 20 years. I don't know. But God has done an amazing work. But we feel like he's saying, now I want you to leave your, your comfort zone and plant a second location so that starting next year, we'll be doing this two times at the exact same time at two different places so that we can reach more people for Jesus. But this is like... This is way uncomfortable because none of us have done this before. And so we're going to figure it out as we go. And we know that it's going to be more expensive. And we know that we're going to see more challenges to having church in two places than just at one place. And this is out of our comfort zone. But that actually gets me a little excited because I realize that God usually gets people out of their comfort zone and calls churches out of their comfort zone so he can grow them and use them. And this is what we believe is happening. And we would love for you to partner with us. This is why we got the campus serve wall. Now, you can decide over the next few months or even the next few weeks, this will be out here for a month, uh, to sign up. But we are looking for people who feel called by God to leave their comfort zone and serve with us in Morris so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus. At the same time, you might be like, I don't feel called to Morris, but it's time for me to get involved here. And um, the people that have been, you know, holding my babies or holding the doors for me, uh, I, I can start doing that for somebody else. And so also, if you're already serving and you plan to continue serving, one of those hooks is for you. So go ahead, sign up. We want you to ring that bell and we will cheer and throw a little mini party because we're pumped that you partner with us. So I don't know what you feel God nudging you to do, but anytime you feel God nudging you, it's usually scary. It's usually out of your comfort zone because often that's what he calls you to and moves you to, to grow you and use you. So this is what we're about as a church is getting out of our comfort zone, 
trying something new so that God can use us and grow us in awesome, awesome ways. Um, so after, after verse 4 in this chapter, we see uh, this quick story of Philip who goes to Samaria and he tells people about Jesus and God works in powerful ways through him. And look what it says in verse 8. It says this, so there was great joy in that city. I love this verse. Here's a city full of people who did not yet know Jesus. And the people from the church in Jerusalem hadn't gone there yet. But only because they're running for their lives, some Christians end up there. They decide to tell them about Jesus. And it says, now there's great joy in that city because they get to see the working of God and the message of Jesus and find faith in him. And there's joy brought to that city. This is what I believe God's calling us to do in Morris. That we get to bring joy to that city. Now listen, there is already churches in, that, in, in, in Morris, there's already Christians in Morris, and we, we actually have been praying for those other churches, that God would grow them and use them and bless their ministry. This is not a competition. We're not looking to be the best church in town or have people leave other churches and come to the Morris campus. We actually are praying that they would grow while God uses us. But there's people in Morris who don't yet know Jesus, and we want to be a part of reaching them. And as we do, God will use us to bring joy to that city. That's an exciting thing to be a part of. And God wants that for you, that you would be a joy bringer wherever you go. That as you just decide to be someone who's going to tell people about Jesus wherever you go, live that way, talk that way, and represent him well, that somebody might come here or go to heaven someday because of your influence and your words in their life, and that you would be a joy bringer. This is what God wants for you. And all you got to do is preach the word wherever you go. Which is way harder than it sounds. Like as we sit here on Sunday morning, right? It's like, yes, we're just going to preach the word wherever we go. And then, and then you leave and you realize, oh, people don't like when I talk about Jesus, right? This makes people uncomfortable. They'd rather talk about politics. They'd rather talk about the bears even though they're terrible, right? Like nobody wants to talk about Jesus. No one else is doing it. So I'm going to shrink back. And I, I, all of a sudden, preaching the word and talking about Jesus wherever I go becomes intimidating and difficult. But this is what God calls you to. Don't forget, God often moves you out of your comfort zone to grow you and use you. Think about this. Every promise that God gives is fulfilled by using people out of their comfort zone. I mean, I can see this from experience in my life, but you can see this as you look th through Scripture. God gives all these callings and missions and promises to people, and it involves them getting out of their comfort zone and able to I mean, think all the way back to the beginning. You got God has this promised land for his people, and he calls Abraham, and he says, I want you to leave. I'm not going to tell you where. Just come with me. Leave everything you know. Leave your family. Leave where you've always lived and follow me. And that's hard and that's uncomfortable. And he went. And then he's got his people. And they're in Egypt. And he says, no, I'm, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. I have promised land for you. And they actually whine about it. They're like, it's uncomfortable out here. And we're hungry and we're scared. And I wish we had stayed in Egypt. And he's like, I know this is uncomfortable, but i got better plans for you. I like to think about um, the, the, the angel coming to Mary. And giving her this amazing calling and promise that you will carry and give birth to the Savior of the world. That's awesome, right? And probably for about 10 seconds, she's like, that is the coolest thing. I can't believe I got picked. You know, like, this is awesome. I'm all in. She's like high-fiving the angel, like, if that's allowed. I don't know. But, um, and then all of a sudden she realizes, oh, but first of all, talk about uncomfortable. Guys, I, uh, my wife has been pregnant, and the whole thing seems horrible, right? Like, you get sick and you grow and you have pain. And like, I, I'm so glad that I'll never have to do that. But besides like the physical discomfort, eventually she realizes, oh, I'm like 15 years old and single. And now I'm going to be judged and outcast and talked behind my back or maybe just <laughs> right to my face because I'm carrying this promise. And all of a sudden, 
this exciting, really good thing is only going to happen through her uncomfort. You know what I'm saying? Think about Jesus. He came to be the Savior of the world, and there was nothing about it that was comfortable. First of all, he leaves heaven to come to earth, a perfect place to live with messed up people like you and me, right? Terrible decision. Unless you realize that through this, you can save the world and offer forgiveness of sins. And then he's born as a baby. Like, it's bad enough that he becomes what he created, but he didn't even start as a, like a walking, talking person. He's like wearing a diaper and helpless. And this is what he put himself through. And then we see Philippians says that he was obedient even to death on a cross. You know, we celebrate a day that we call Good Friday. And then really, except for the promises of God through what he was accomplishing, there's nothing good about Good Friday. Because Jesus was beaten and mocked and killed in a brutal execution. And it was not comfortable or fun or easy. And Hebrews says that he endured the cross with joy because he knew what God was up to. And all of God's promises we see are fulfilled by calling people out of their comfort zone so he can use us and grow us. And then Jesus says to all of his followers, and by the way, if they hate me, they'll hate you too. If they're against me, they'll be against you too, just for being my follower. That's part of the package. You get eternal life, forgiveness of sins, you get the Holy Spirit. Oh, and you get persecution and, and judgment and difficulty. This is promised to his followers. In Matthew 11, he says this to his disciples. This is so interesting. Jesus says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. This is what he's telling his followers. You know why? Because he knows that they're going to, because they follow him, they're going to have hardship, trials, discomfort, pain, persecution. Almost all of the apostles were killed for their faith. Stephen was the first of many Christian martyrs. And he says, you're going to have times where you feel like giving up, where you have extreme doubt, where it's so hard to follow me, and you start realizing God's allowing this to happen to me. God realizes this is happening. You know, and he says, if you stick it out, I will grow you, I will use you, and you will be blessed if you don't give up, you don't stumble on account of me. God wants to move you out of your comfort zone so that he can use you and grow you more than you could ever imagine. When we go through hard things, especially if you've ever had moments where you're like, I'm going through something difficult because I'm a Christian, right? Like, all of a sudden, I'm not allowed to cheat on my test. I'm not allowed to cheat on my taxes. Like, life is getting harder because I'm a Christian. This is not how it's supposed to work. Jesus says, yes, that's how it will work. And then God's saying, this is for your own good because I'm going to grow you through this. And this is for the good of the kingdom because I'm going to use you through this. This is his plan. Are you aware... That we serve a God who takes what the enemy means for bad and he uses it for good. He does this all the time. I can imagine Satan, the evil one, celebrating as the church scatters, thinking we got him. It's going to finally die out. And instead, God uses that for, to burn the fire bigger and hotter than it ever had. I can imagine Satan celebrating when Jesus dies on the cross. And at that time, God's like, yeah, but I'm going to use this to offer salvation to all who will believe. And every time the enemy has something that he means for bad in your life, God says, I can use it for good. And it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's fun. But we can trust that God is up to good things. There was uh, probably the hardest time in my life where I've lived through this was uh, as I was a pastor several years ago in, in my life, my marriage, and, and in my ministry. Uh, I started serving at a church. I felt like God's called me to be a youth pastor at this church, and I went, and it was super exciting. My first two years was like all success and enjoyment, and like, 
we were adding all kinds of new volunteers and all kinds of new kids were coming to the youth group and they were getting saved and we were seeing Christian kids take their faith seriously and like everything, like it was a pretty big church so I had like a boss and a boss's boss and they were proud of me and impressed with me and they wanted to give me promotions because like wow, this, God is really working in this ministry and working through this guy. I'm like this is awesome. So glad that God called me here to use us in this way and, and to lead this team and it was just awesome. And then the next couple years were the exact opposite. And I was the same guy at the same church. But all of a sudden, it got really hard. And it, and it wasn't as easy to get new people. And it wasn't as easy to grow the teams. And we didn't see, like, the success in numbers. And, and people weren't as proud of, of, of our results on paper. And I felt like I'm failing here. Maybe God doesn't want me here anymore. In fact, there was times where I felt like giving up altogether. And I told God, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't think I'm good at it. Maybe that's what you wanted me to do for a while, but I'm, I'm questioning if that's what you want me to continue doing. And I felt like he just said, keep going, keep trying, keep praying, keep leading. And I did, and we tried our hardest. And there was, there was, little, some, there was some fruit, but overall, it got so hard and so difficult, and I wanted to give up. And so for two and a half years, I was crying out to God. Why is this happening? What happened to the results, you know? What happened to the fruit? What happened to the success and the high fives and, you know, feeling good about myself? I don't have any of that right now. And I got angry at God. And I was frustrated. And I would, I would yell at God, you know, turn this around. I'm just trying to do what you want me to do. I'm doing my best. You know, make me smarter or something, you know. Bring me some more help, whatever. I don't know what's going to, but do something because I can't do it. I'm ready to be done. And for a couple of years, I prayed like that. And I just begged God. What's going on? And I cried out to God. And there was this one moment, one night, I'll never forget it, where God spoke to me as I was talking to him. And he said, I'm allowing this in your life because I'm going to move you. And like nothing really changed, but in my heart, I felt better. Like there was such sweet encouragement to me in that moment. And in that moment, God, he, he brought to mind two examples. One, Joseph in the Old Testament. And two, this passage in Acts chapter 8. And and God was telling me, um, I'm up to something here. So stick it out because I have good plans to come from this, even though you don't like it right now. Here's the story of Joseph. If you don't know this guy, he's one of 12 boys in this family. And his, all of his older brothers hate him and they decide to kill him. But then, because they want to be decent people, they decide, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him as a slave, okay? So he's sold to Egypt. He's not Egyptian. He's a slave. But the Bible says God was with him. And so he's actually bought by an important dude. And then he, like, works his way up as a slave to be in charge of the guy's entire household and property. And, and like, he's exalted to this incredible level to where he's living a good life. He's important. He's powerful. He's comfortable. He's respected. And, like, everything is going better than he could have ever dreamed. He would have never asked for the blessings that he's receiving. And you look at him like, yeah, God was with Joseph. God had good plans even though he was sold as a slave. But then... He gets accused of trying to rape his boss's wife, even though that's not true. He's thrown in prison, and he goes from this great place of comfort and importance and meaning and everything else in his life to prison, and he didn't deserve it. And if you're reading the story, you're like, God, why would you, why would you let that happen? What good could come from this? And he's left in prison for a while. He's forgotten by a guy that promises to get him out. But then God lines it up so he gets a meeting with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful empire in the, nation, in, in the world at that time. And Pharaoh likes him, and he involves him, and he uh, promotes him until he's now in charge of all of Egypt, second in command only to Pharaoh, over everything that happens. And I felt like God said to me, you know, Joseph would have never left Potiphar's house if I didn't make him. But I had other plans for him. 
And I'm not saying that God wants to make me like king of Egypt or anything like that. But I just felt like God spoke to me in a personal way, and he said, I have other plans for you. And if you just thought this was like so great, you ought to stay there forever. So I'm going to let this hurt for a little while. It's good for you now, and it's good for the kingdom later. And I honestly believe that I'm walking in those promises right now. Not that my life is perfect and everything will always be easy, but I feel like all we can do is stick it out with God and trust him and preach the word wherever we go, and he will accomplish what he wants to accomplish us through. The other thing that he called to mind was the idea of church uh, uh, in, in Acts chapter 8. And almost like, how long would these guys have stayed in Jerusalem? You know, everything was great. Bible studies were growing. New people in like... I don't know how long they were supposed to stay in Jerusalem or if they stayed too long, but God allowed intense and difficult persecution to accomplish what he wanted through his people. And I don't know if, if, if some of you in a room this size, for sure, there's people here, you might feel like you're in that spot right now where you've been crying out to God. And you feel like, I don't know why this is happening. All I've done is tried to honor God, and it just makes it hurt worse. I don't know what God's up to. Maybe you feel like I've felt before where you're angry at God. First of all, you can tell him that. He's a big boy. He can take it. So we talk about being real with God. Go for it, man. You can talk straight up to God. You don't have to sugarcoat it. He can handle it. He knows what you're thinking anyways. You might as well be honest when you pray. Secondly, let me try to encourage you. God has not abandoned you. And the enemy will tell you that he has, and you will start to believe it sometimes. God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And no matter how hard life feels, God is with you, and he has plans for that. God is actively working even though it hurts. My favorite Bible verse in the whole Bible is Romans 8, 28. God works in all things for the good of those who love him and have been called to, according to his purposes. So even though it hurts right now, God has not abandoned you, and he is at work. And I pray that his spirit ministers to your spirit this morning. He has plans to grow you through this. He has plans to use you. That doesn't mean it's easy. I think about Luke as he's telling the story of the early church. You know, when they were persecuted and running for their lives, they did not like it. They were not happy. They weren't like, sweet, God's doing something awesome. Luke writes the story down later. He's able to look back at it and say, boy, that was tough, but look what God did through it. Someday you might be on the other side and you can say, look what God did through that. It might not be till you get to heaven. Often I find that it's down the road, even while you're alive, you can see, look what God was up to. And maybe, just maybe, I don't know if this is always true every time we go through something difficult, but maybe, just maybe, God would say to you, I'm letting this happen, not only for your own good, because I've got other things for you, and I'm on the move. I pray that if, if that's where you're at, you would be encouraged. If that's not where you're at, maybe you've been there before, but that's not right now. I just wanted to ask, do you feel God calling you to, to something? In just case if you don't, I'm not trying to guilt trip you or make you manipulate it, but I'm just saying, like, if you feel like, boy, I, I feel like God's calling me to step up, to, to, to start serving. Maybe it's here at church. Maybe you join the launch team at Morris or start serving here. Maybe it's not at church. Maybe it's inviting your neighbor to church. Maybe it's speaking up at basketball practice or, or standing up for someone who you see is mistreated. I don't know, but if you feel like God calling you to something, I can promise you it's going to be out of your comfort zone because that's how he works. And let me encourage you this morning, if that's you, Go for it. Even though it's nerve-wracking and scary, just say, all right, if, if I feel like God's calling me to something, it's almost always out of my comfort zone, but that's how he plans to grow me and to use me. Go for it. And what that's going to look like is you can preach the word wherever you go. Even though it's hard, even you don't feel like you have the answers, you don't feel like people want to hear about it, God will show up and he will work, especially when we are out of our comfort zone. So I want to pray as we end. Would you stand?
And I want to just pray for uh, a couple of groups of people. So let's bow. Heavenly Father, right now we praise you because you are God and you are good. Some days that is so easy to say and sometimes that is so hard to believe. And for anybody right now who needs encouragement from you, Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to their heart as you've done before, as you've done for me, and that you would just give them strength and encouragement today to know that you are God, you are in control, you are good, you have good plans for them, you have not abandoned them, you are at work in their situation, and you are using this not only for their good, but for your kingdom. God, I pray for that encouragement to fall on people today. For the rest of us, Father, I pray that as we leave this place, as we go this week, you will give us the courage to just bring Jesus wherever we go. That we will be sparks that fly from a burning fire, that ignite where we land. That you would use each of us in all the places that we go this week to spread the good news of Jesus and that you would work powerfully through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, we'll see you next week for another part of Mission. Thanks a lot.